What's up and welcome to Groundbreaking, a friendly original podcast bringing you the young creatives redefining entrepreneurship and introducing you to tomorrow's leaders today. I'm Jake Brewer. Let's get started. Meet Parsa Shahidi. He's a recent BU grad, COO, and co-founder of Pangissimo, your new favorite way to stream all your favorite music and build surround sound from literally anywhere. Simo, their latest innovation, is challenging the way we listen, and Parsa is here today to talk all things teamwork, building community around your brand and product, and the realities of starting from scratch. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Groundbreaking. I am so thrilled that you've decided to join us Once again, I am especially excited for today's episode because we, once again, are going to be proving how much I don't know um, and how much I also have to learn. Um, And I've said this many, many times before, but my favorite episodes of the show, no shade to my closest of friends, but I love the episodes where I've never met people and my sort of relationship with the people that I'm talking to um, started like 10 minutes ago before we started recording this show. Um, So I'm super, super excited to be talking to my guest today. And we also have a kind of like a low key connection. He's already an alum. Um, I'm still in school. I'm that guy. But um, he's got probably some great perspectives and advice just for a lot of the audience Um, and a lot of you specifically, because I would imagine most of you are in similar shoes as I am. Um, But he's going to, he kind of tackled the real world before us. And so um, we're going to get a little bit of reflection there, but mainly we're going to be talking about um, a new sort of project that has been launching. And I've actually seen a lot um, over the past couple months. Um, I actually didn't even told him this yet. I was actually new about it before um, anything started, which is super exciting. So um, I don't know, maybe we should just maybe we should totally jump in. Um, I do want to note we are uh, pretty well into the season here and are going to begin wrapping things up soon. So if you yourself have any sort of feedback for the show, or if you have any suggestions for the show, or if you want to contact me, say, hey, or if you have a guest you would like to see on the show or any sort of feedback whatsoever, um, you can just say, hey, on social at Friendly Media. You can also email me, jake at friendlymedia.com. That's me directly. We can have a great conversation. Um, would love to hear from you. But this is your opportunity to sit back and just listen to another amazing episode. Today, I am joined by Parsa Shahidi. He is the co-founder and COO of Pangissimo. And I was really tempted to do an Italian accent right there, but I wasn't going to. Um, I don't need to embarrass myself that way. Um, But I'm really excited because it's unlike, I mean, the number of times, ask any of my friends, like how many times I've asked them to bring a speaker, whether it's we're doing some sort of, you know, studio day, or it's just like the beach or no matter what it is. Um, And I've actually never, I've never purchased one for myself, which is kind of ridiculous because music is a huge part of my life. But um, they created a product that has really stood out to me. And I genuinely believe, and I'm not just saying this because he's literally watching me speak right now, um, (laughs) really stands out within the market. And I'm really excited to hear about that development because not only is he COO, but he's also a co-founder. So I think Parsha's going to have some really great stories for us. Um, That being said, if you want me to hype you up more, I'm happy to. But Parsha, I feel like we just need to start (laughs) hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so happy to be here. Um, heard so much about you and love your podcast. So I'm um, excited to sort of dive a little bit 
deeper than I normally would uh, in a sort of basic interview. But, um, you know, like you said, uh, BU alums got to stick together. And uh, I wouldn't have stopped you if you tried with your Italian accent, but I figured, you know, you didn't want to embarrass like- yourself. I thank you for that, but I and I also feel like we, I didn't need to embarrass myself or like offend anyone that early in the show. Like we got to pace this out a little right. bit. Right? No, I think that's uh, doable. But it's actually funny you say that um, the word. That, so our company Pangissimo uh, comes from the amalgamation of two words. One of which is uh, Pangia, which is you know the supercontinent that broke apart. Um, and the Italian word fortissimo, which means to play loudly. So we put those words together and we created uh, our company as it exists today, Pangissimo. Um, so, okay, so you're already cooler than I thought you were. Okay, and smarter. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, maybe, maybe I should paint this picture first, too, because the products that I associate with Pangissimo is Simo. Right. I said, yes. you're saying that right too. Okay. Yes, exactly. He told me how to pronounce everything literally moments before I pressed record <laughs> and I've already forgotten. Um, but I always, I guess if you are listening to this and you're at a point where you can look at, look at something on your phone, go to the description of the episode and click on the link and see what they're up to. But I always say, if you're like on a treadmill or driving right now, like, don't, don't do that. This can wait. I'll try to like explain <laughs> it for you, but it's, I don't, and no offense, but it's such a simple idea that nobody's done before. And I think that's what blows my mind about it. And I'm sure it wasn't simple to get to this point. I'm sure the engineering sure. aspect of it is way more complicated than my communications <laughs> mind can comprehend. But um, essentially, the product for people who aren't familiar is it kind of looks like a like a like a square, a cube and I know this is where I'm probably going to really offend you because I'm going to make this sound so childish. And I know <laughs> go it's for not, it. Go for it but it like breaks apart almost like puzzle pieces and it's like it can literally become like surround sound um and it's like mm-hmm. i'm trying to think about i don't know what it reminds me of but it makes like it makes so much so much sense yeah, yeah. Um, so we we um maybe i can help you out there but i know i know do. you please do so, i'm really so struggling we, uh, you know basically simo uh is the speaker name and it stands for single input multi-output and and the reason is because you know, you have one system of speakers um, that can be separated into four through magnetic connection. So, you know, you can use it uh, all four together as one system on its own. You can, you know, break it up into two and two, put two on one side of your room, two on the other. You could put, uh, separate all four out, put one in each room. Uh, you know, you can do three in one. And basically you have one sound input, which is, you know, your phone or your laptop or your TV or your tablet it is and then you have multiple outputs um, which are the individual subunits on CMO and um, you know that's sort of why we, we thought about Pangea and you know breaking it apart and putting it together and um, really uh, that's the main functionality and we've created a portable modular which is you know that magnetic separation uh, surround sound speaker system um, which you know like you said was a very simple idea on the outside and something that we've been so fortunate to see a lot of great interest from but um obviously our team has had a lot of uh you know technical hurdles to get through and address to be able to get to this point so um you know there is there's quite a bit behind the scenes going on i'd say i i can't even imagine and because you mentioned your team maybe i feel like we should probably shout them out real quick um as much credit as you definitely deserve um just maybe like take 
whatever, 30 seconds, shout oh, out yeah. everyone you work Absolutely. with, what they do. Cause then we'll talk about your guys's kind of journey, how you got there. Um, but I feel like we got to give them like at least a little bit of, of course, all the credit in the world there. So our team is awesome and they're really, really awesome. And we actually, it's a good spot to tell you about sort of how, you know, we, we formed as a company. So as students, um, we were all engineering students, our four, four of us, four co-founders, and we all sort of did like a minor concentration or that type of thing in the business school as well at, at Boston University. So um, we um, we knew each other, but we came together in that class. And, um, you know, we all have technical minds, but also have a passion for, for, for entrepreneurship. And we were able to come together in this class and, you know, first become friends before anything. And then secondly, um, execute on an idea that right later became, you know, intellectual property and, a, and an existing company and, um, you know, a team of people. And so, um, you know, our co-founders, myself, uh, James, Constantine, and Asiri are four engineering students and we came together and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the best. And, you know, we, I'm so honestly prideful to be a part of the team and one of the co-founders and um, they're, they're amazing from technic technical components to business development to marketing so um definitely give all the credit in the world to them no yeah no absolutely shout out guys if you're listening <laughs> um uh so wait okay so it started in a class and i i usually i usually tell my guests like i read like a little bit about what you guys do and kind of your history just so i can like it guide the conversational with some expertise but i also don't like to read in too much because i want to hear it all from you first um because that's probably how most listeners are hearing about you. Um, so when you took this like class and it was like the four of you all together, was was that the intention of the class to create something like tangible that would go beyond the class with you? So, you know, actually our, the professor of that class, um, he's truly one of the most amazing people and um, business people and teachers that we've ever had. And, you know, our team is, uh, incredibly grateful to him. He's like an, he's a full-time advisor to us. And, um, he's done, you know, he's a, his background is in electrical engineering, I believe. And he, you know, he had tremendous success with his own, um, businesses in the past and he's been able to help us and, you know, in sort of, uh, in his free time, uh, because of his, how, how really, uh, great he is and how much he has to offer. Um, you know, he taught a business course for engineering students at Questrom school of business and, he was able to inspire us to sort of come up with an idea that um, would be in fact impactful to society. You know, we're not going to, we're not saving lives, even though my, my major is biomedical engineering <laughs> and I have that aspiration. Um, they, you know, that was the idea. And then sort of what happened was, you know, we took our idea to the next step. We, um, you know, we presented and we got interest from a few um you know, sort of partners at a few consulting firms that were there by chance on that day and, you know, told us to come down and visit them. And then, you know, the ball got rolling and we joined the BU Venture uh, Innovation Fund. And then we ended up winning uh, a few months later, we won among 132 technology teams uh, and some social, basically social teams. Uh, we won first place at that competition. And, um, you know, that was, that was super exciting for us. So, um, you know, definitely being a part of the university environment and being around people who are young and hungry and eager, um, propelled sort of an idea into an actual company. 
You're absolutely right. Well, it's, it's such a, um, I like to call it just a really healthy competition to be amongst those people because it's not like you're necessarily trying to outdo everyone else, but as much as you're just getting inspiration from other people's uh, ambition. Um, and I mean, absolutely. not to be dramatic too, but like the fact that this thing can like play music throughout, like you just like, you could reinvent house parties essentially. Yeah. With this thing, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, saving lives is absolutely incredible, but like, I don't know. This is, this is getting up right. there too. Um, that's, that's awesome. Did you feel like once, once this started picking up traction because you were studying biomedical engineering at the time, and although you took this class, did you feel any point of like uh, self-conflict of being, do I pursue this in this sort of like light of opportunity or do I focus on kind of what, what you always thought you were going to do? Right. So I'd say like, you know, we, um, our team as a whole, I mean, now we have an extended team, but our core um, co-founding team, you know, we are, we do a good job at, at, at managing different things and wearing different hats. And I think that started, you know, even as students where we had, you know, thermodynamics class, fluid dynamics, we had, you know, signals and systems, we had all these, you know, bio, biology classes, whatever, but we were able to maintain, you know, our academic focus with propelling the company to a point that was you know, where it's at today um, and, and, and only to go up from here. But, um, you know, it, it was really the passion that led us and the, the belief that in the market, there is a true potential for this to grow and scale and, and actually, you know, provide something of use. You know, we, you know, like you said, as college students, the idea was, you know, let's, it would be really interesting if, you know, you could play music, if you had a dorm room or an apartment or as a young person in general um, and, and have different areas and get surround sound in an affordable, in an affordable way. Um, and also have it be portable. So if you wanted, you know, to just take one of the subunits or the whole system to the beach or to your friend's place, um, you know, or, you know, on, on a workout, you could do that. And, you know, little by little, um, you know, through product development and market research and business development, you get to a point where it becomes a reality and you realize there are more applications than you thought about it uh, originally. You know, whether you want to, you know, you're a teacher and you want to just put that in your classroom for your students or you're a business person and you want to, you take it for conference calls or, you know, really anything, you, you, you can do that. Yeah, the, the reasoning for a product like this is essentially limitless, um, which makes me then think of the question, why hasn't anybody done this before? And maybe this is where I'm just, I'm ignorant <laughs> in just like the engineering aspect of it, but why does a product that's so practical and so in demand and makes so much sense, what was that barrier to creating it? I mean, was it just like your young innovative minds that was like, oh, that this is how this is how you do it? Or like, why haven't we seen a product like this from other like larger companies? Sure. So I'll say uh, I'll say two things. One around sort of the idea of entrepreneurship is, you know, ideas are often like a lot of people have a lot of good ideas. And I think one of the main factors in perpetuating things that you see in society for people who really execute on their entrepreneurial, you know, desires and ambitions is that they execute and they actually, you know, do what it takes to get an idea to reality, to market, whether it's software or hardware or, you know, medical innovation or academic, you know, research, um, you know, that, that execution is really important. Secondly, I'd say um, from a technical standpoint, I think, um, it was such a, it is a challenge and it was a challenge from a development standpoint to, 
be able to get one single input to feed into all of these at the same time with such minimal delay times. Um, so really, I think it's a testament to the product development itself. Um, and, you know, along the way, we have sort of raised the, some attention and some eyebrows from, from competing larger companies. And we're happy to say that, but, you know, we're, um, we're grateful, you know, to, to be in this position at the same time. I mean, absolutely. I mean, why not make like bows like be shaking in their whatever New York office like skyscraper? Yeah. Of course. Well, that's what that's what I why I love like this show so much because there are like young people just like the four of you who are like just thinking so so innovatively but so practically. I don't know if either of those words are words, but I, th- I think you know. I think you get what I mean. Um, yeah. So what was maybe more on a personal level, what was the biggest barrier to creating it for the four of you? I mean, was it the, was it the logistical, like, how is this going to work? Was it the, I don't know, fresh out of college, like what are our resources? Because I think one of the biggest like pieces I have, at least in my college career is to like, a campus has so many resources that you don't really realize are of such value until that you don't have them anymore. So was it was it that sort of thing or was it like a delegation of like the teamwork or was it just like a what's our starting point um i mean what's like what was the what was the pit in your stomach yeah no i think that's a that's a really good question and the reason is because we um there are so like you said there are so many things available and resources and from advice from uh you know simply you know get you know you get advice from people but on a university level especially like bu they provide you with a platform to do things they provide you with the right people to talk to and you know the infrastructure around that so really understanding what's available to you is the first step um you know and we're really fortunate for that because you know we um you know we were really involved with the bu innovation uh lab uh to be able to you know set up a system for ourselves and like you know really like a sort of a headquarters at the beginning for for our company to be able to operate out of and meet and talk and, and develop ideas but I think um, the, the biggest challenge is, you know, it's not like any of us had had a startup before the age of 18 or 19. You know, we didn't know what was going on. We see things on TV. We, you know, I'm lucky because um, I've had a lot of, you know, support and help in the business and entrepreneurial field from my, from my family and my friends. And I've seen that, um, you know, so I, I've gotten a lot of that, but, you know, we didn't have that firsthand experience. So what we, what we had to do was just, you know, live through it day by day. And, um, you know, step one is, you know, creating your team and solidifying your idea. And, and step two is, is um, bringing on the right mentors to guide you in the right direction and sort of not tell you what to do, but be there to share their experiences and their wisdoms with you. So maybe you don't make mistakes they made, or maybe they can tell you, um, you know, how to protect yourself from an IP standpoint, you know, yeah. Um, those are little things that that really help, but I think always um, at the beginning, maybe associating with an incubator or a or a venture lab, those are things that are set up for growth and that always end up helping and, and definitely helped us. And um, you know, the passion really drives you when you understand, you know, you have an idea and you want to take it to reality. What are the steps that I need to get to? Some of them may be really, really big steps, but um, you know, some of the best things advice I I got. Um, is and, and my dad says this all the time is don't do it or do it right and um you know you can run in between each step but don't skip steps so 
you know, take each step that you need to, but, um, you know, you can move fast. What was, so what was the like step once, once that ended and you are getting mentors and you're getting that first place, like finish. I mean, is that, I think actually what I'm really curious about, and this happens a lot with like, um, there was a question there that I can get back to, but this just popped sure. in my mind too. With like product-based creatives and entrepreneurs rather than like a service or like some sort of digital exchange, what like the feeling of, and it's different. It's so funny because it's different for everybody, but like, mm -hmm. what is that feeling when you first like hold the product or like, I don't know, was it, was it everything that you dreamed? Were you like, yeah. did you know like right <laughs> off the bat, like, oh, this is everything I would change? Because I would imagine that what that first product was is nothing like what you're selling today. Right. No. And I, I remember it vividly because we, I remember when we got our, you know, when we developed our first prototype and we, we had it in front of us and we, you know, I, I, I remember it because we, we, you know, we had our, we were sitting around a table and we put out our phone and it went on the Bluetooth and it said SEMO audio. And at that moment when that connected and the lights turned on, it was just, it was really, really, uh, you know, it was a, it was a worthwhile sort of feeling that this had been worth it. And like you said, there, we go through so many iterations of improvements and being so, so critical on ourselves and the product and, you know, um, trying to understand how we can improve it for the user and improve, um, you know, user experience, user exchange, um, from a technical standpoint, but also from an ease of use standpoint. Um, those were, really important and if we don't do that okay we don't continue to do that there's no development there's no improvement there's no pipeline really so no absolutely yeah what um what what like happens then in that period between that sort of moment where it first lit up versus the very first like sale like what is what's going on in that sort of like period like how many how many changes are being made how many like people are you bringing on like what what is that um right what's that discussion because i guess like in my mind and i feel like it's not often not talked about a lot because we love to paint this like narrative of it was just this like beautiful like streamlined thing everything worked out and that's why like we're so confident today like that is such like mm -hmm. a common phrase but um what i love about young creatives is we're just like it's it's so much fun just to be taking those shots in the dark and being like, what are we doing? And just learning by trial and error that we are like a little bit more transparent with that. And so what like what's going on with that phase? And maybe it was just like a beautiful like finish and you got to where <laughs> where you wanted to. So nothing wrong with that. But um, I mean, what what were like the the scary moments or what were the moments where you questioned everything or what were the moments that you felt like unprepared for based on sure. just your education thus far? Sure. And I think that's really accurate because there are, there are definitely a lot of highs. And I think if there weren't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation or we wouldn't be where we like, you know, where we want to be or where we are today. But obviously without the lows either, none of the highs would be possible. So, um, you know, th there were many times, I mean, I think as founders, whether you have a tangible speaker like us, you know, in hardware or your software is developing a software and there's bugs and it's not working, you're not doing, it's not doing what you want it to do. There are moments where, you know, you really question like, okay, like these are the challenges that we have to get through. Is this possible? Can we achieve this? And, you know, luckily through resilience it is. Um, but, you know, there were, there were times where, you know, not let's say one of the speakers wasn't working the way we wanted to or something didn't connect or there was an issue on the, you know, sort of on the communication between the source of the audio and, and the speakers themselves, you know, 
technical things that you know we are ourselves thought about or you know what color do we make this you know is this the right choice um do we you know where do we want you know each of the, the logos to go little things that maybe people don't think about um you know the finish of the of the material um on the speaker these are things that you know are hard hard to deal with if they're not going the way you want them to go and obviously we take those moments and we sort of spin them to help us learn, help us improve the product, help us improve our communication as a company and the way we handle them. I mean, customer service, you know, you, you can produce so many units. And of course, you know, no matter who you are, you can be, you know, you can be the bows of the world or the Ferraris of the world, and you're going to have some that have issues. And that's just the way it works in, in product development and manufacturing and, you know, learning how to deal with customers and, you know, making sure they're taken care of the right way or, um, you know, what to do with those products, how to troubleshoot them. You know, you, you might get somebody who's, you know, they're, they're maybe one of their subunits had an issue, but, you know, you have a large majority of people who are very happy and love the product. And you have to take those with a grain of salt. And, um, you know, I, I myself and, and the rest of our team, you know, we always try to put ourselves in those positions because we've all been there. We've had something that didn't work or didn't operate. And, you know, we want to make sure we're getting what we really paid for. And, and we've done a really good job of that as a team is, um, with a few cases that have, you know, caused us to, you know, take a look and evaluate things. We've been able to sort of deliver on our promise and, um, and, and we're lucky for that. But, you know, in the product development pipeline, uh, being really critical and using those scary moments, I'll say, um, as, as fuel is probably the most important thing because you're going to have so many of those. And if you don't really address them one by one and you don't, step up to the plate and accept that those were failures in the moment, you're not going to get to the long-term success that you, you know, you hope for. You, that is absolutely correct. And probably if I had to pick like a highlight from the episode so far, it would be that sort of piece because kind of going back to the point of like, we love to paint like the wonderful picture of entrepreneurship, but like there are those moments and it's really difficult too, because you take such a pride and personal attachment to your work in those early stages that seeing it like not be fulfilled or brought to the full fruition that you were expecting is a really, really tough defeat. But viewing it yeah. as a temporary thing and learning opportunity is such a key that I feel like we we maybe get to a little bit too late in the process, but better late than never, I guess. Exactly, um, exactly. What what were what because you mentioned like the value of mentors a little bit earlier. What were the mentors like telling you at those sort of stages where you were like, this is not ready to be sold to a customer? Like what what were what were their pieces of advice? So yeah, I think um, you know, the nature of the of what our mentors and advisors were saying changed a lot over time, right? So at the beginning it was helping us to understand, you know what does it take to actually execute on a startup and a business and an idea? And it slowly transformed into, okay, now that you have it set up, um, you know, what are your first key metrics of success? And then it became, you know, testing, you know, how to, how to make sure you're cut, you know, get market feedback and understand what's the most important for your customers. And then it came to, you know, sales distribution strategy, retailers, online, that type of thing. And then it's, you know, and then now it's, you know, marketing strategy, advertisements, pipeline of uh, customer engagement. So the nature of what they're kind of advising us on changes. And, and I think that's, that's been interesting because, you know, um, we get advice on long-term partnerships with other companies and, and 
distribution channels now. And before we were getting advice on, you know, how to pick the right law firm to work with, you know? So um, it it was, it's really kind of cool to see that change, but at the same time, um, you know, I, there's always so much to learn. I mean, in a startup, I think that's the key is that there's many, there are so many dynamic and moving parts. Um, Everything's so kinetic that you need that, um, you know, that, that push that nudge in the right direction to, you know, motivate you or just give you that confidence that people with experience have. And like I said, we have a lot of advisors and mentors and also personally for me, like, you know, my family, my brother, my mom and my dad, they've been so helpful and they have a lot of experience that can, that has helped me and sort of motivated me. Yeah. And far, far too often, I, I underestimate the impact of those like influential people on you um, because you, you take that for granted because that's just a part of who you are. So I love that. Yeah. I love that you appreciate that and it shows just how far you've come already. <laughs> um, but let's, cause let's talk about like your role specifically um, because I know at this sort of point in the timeline that we're working with, like we're kind of at that, like the marketing and the setup like point of it, because I mean, you can have an amazing like groundbreaking, no pun intended product. Um, <laughs> but then like, and then you're like, oh, but then half of it is marketing it and pushing it and proving to people how well that's needed. And I, I don't, my understanding is that's not necessarily under your jurisdiction. So I won't like bombard you with marketing yeah. questions unless you like are totally into that. Um, no, it's totally I, okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair question. And like I said, in a, in a startup, especially as a generally stage startup, um, everybody has to wear a lot of different hats. So we've like, our team has been involved in everything across the board, you know, from, um, you know, sales to marketing, to advertising, to daily operations, to long-term growth strategy partnerships, you know, um, content, creating content, you know, we've, we've done, and we do everything really, um, across the board. Um, there are no hard and fast lines on that. But, you know, to your question about sort of the marketing uh, strategy and that type of thing is, you know, we, um, I think we really understood, I mean, as engineers, you know, we're trained to think very technically and critically, but I think there's, um, you know, marketing doesn't come as second nature to our study. And I think that takes a, you know, a level of imagination and creativity. And really, I think some of the most valuable things you can get is a strong marketing team and strategy because, um, you know, you can imagine a company like a Bose or a, you know, a Sonos or a Nike or an Apple, you know, the big, the big players, if they, if they had, you know, some basically one of their products or one of their ideas or something like that, and that wasn't really um, marketed by a company like them with the bandwidth and the resources to do that, it may not ever get the traction that it, that it deserved. And that's because of, their, of the, you know, the manpower behind their marketing. And we've realized just how important it is. I mean, getting, getting to in front of people on social, on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, getting their, you know, getting some email information out there. Um, what kind of content is it that we're making? Are we making interactive videos? Is it photos? Are they lifestyle images and videos? Or are they product images? Are they testimonials? Without those key pieces of information and metrics, you know, you won't be able to get your product and company in front of the right eyes. Well, and I mean, I know from personal experience, like marketing and everything that you touched on, like from social to email to 
absolutely everything in between is the most frustrating process starting out because truthfully, when you are beginning that process, um, the, I mean, maybe your direction changes, the type of content changes, but the work that you put into that content doesn't change if it's seen by one person or 1 million people. Um, it's still exactly. the same amount of work in producing content. And it's really, really frustrating because you are doing the work as if you were reaching millions of people, but you're only seeing the results and the metrics from a couple people. So I right. know how, like, how absolutely frustrating that is because you're, especially at that point, you're <laughs> like, this is so, so good. And you're like, what is the key? What is the hack? Like, why am I competing with people with millions of like followers? Mm -hmm. How did they do that? And there's, there's no answer to that. Right. There's no, there's no secret key that people are keeping from you. Um, it's really just about engaging and recognizing that that one person following you is your strongest advocate and is probably going to eventually do more for you than you could do in just your outreach to other people. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, that's why I love hearing about the marketing aspect of everything up front because, because I mean, entrepreneurs all have different approaches themselves. Yeah. No, the I think beginning. that's that point you made is so accurate. You know, that, that the person that really takes your brand on um, and becomes a supporter and a true follower, I don't just mean Instagram, I mean like a real follower of, you know, your innovation and your ideas, whatever it is that you're doing, that, that's the most valuable thing. You know, the people we, um, you know, our core following um as a company is we're so grateful to have them because they've been able to do outreach to their own personal networks and their connection and talk to their friends and their family and their peers and you know their colleagues about ngcmo and our and our and our different product and basically our our um our value offering in the cmo speaker and sort of that's been so helpful you know when we first kicks you know did a crowdfunding campaign um last year um you know, we were able to reach our goal for the month within six or seven hours because of the power of our following. We were able mm -hmm. to, you know, you know, reach people through authentic, you know, testimonials that weren't, you know, just made up and plastered on an email. They came from people who trusted the product and got to test it and play with it and gave their feedback. And, um, you know, that's, that's our goal is to organically grow our, our brand and our brand equity and, um, you know, develop a, a sort of a family of, you know, within the Pengisimo community. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you are speaking like my, my language in terms of everything <laughs> that like I love studying and such. So it's, it's so exciting to hear, but you're right. It's, it's those like casual sort of things where, and be careful. Like you can call me out if I go too much on a tangent here. Cause this is seriously like what I get like really excited <laughs> about, but like, don't worry, I'm going to start like, don't worry, we don't have to dive into this. But like, everyone's so obsessed with the influencer industry, but the people who influence us the most are the people that we talk to on the daily. Right. And it's getting those people to advocate for something like the this is such this is such an awful example. And you're probably gonna hate that you decided to come on the show and I use this but like, the only person that could probably get me to like, change like my toothpaste brand, something that I like use always is probably like my best friend, you yeah. know, where it's like, and that's an awful example and I hope no one no, I know what you me mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> but it's like it's that it's that sort of power so recognizing and I love that you say that you've created like a tight-knit close group of people and you showed that you valued them by implementing that feedback right to, and actually showing that you hear them because it's I've, I think we're on the same page where 
it's two very different things hearing feedback. You can hear it and listen to it and show that you hear it, or you can actually like show them that it's valid to you and do something about it, which speak totally different volumes. Right. No. And I think, um, like you said, you know, it, it's sort of like the way the family operates, you know, you can, you can call me out, but nobody else can, you know, it's that type of thing. Yeah. So we really value the people around us. And I mean, um, it, it's been a really a wild, obviously a wild past year. And, um, you know, with everything going on through the COVID-19 pandemic and sort of the, what's been going on around the country, we, we've tried to, you know, use our platform to spread the right messages and, um, you know, sort of embrace a more home culture and uh, home environment through CMO uh, as people set up their home offices or they want to hang out, which is more with their friends and family. And I think a lot of people have really found the more that there's a value in, in spending people, you're, you're, you really, va- you, you cherish more closely and look at in a more, in a more uh, honest way these days. So, so I think that's been sort of our prerogative and our, um, our, our goal over the past few months and year really. So it's obvious Pangismo is not only pushing the technological world, but the cultural one too. Stay tuned, we've got more groundbreaking next. Are you ready to move out of your parents' house, but don't know where to start? Have no clue what to order at the bar? Maybe you don't know how to make that first move? Listen to In Your 20s, the newest podcast by Tino with an H, to help you figure out the things that they didn't teach you in school. From relationships to career and life, In Your 20s has on guests who have done it all, so you don't have to. Listen to In Your 20s, that's 20s with a Y-S, not an I-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check out my episode with Tina, it's one of my favorites. Enjoy. Welcome back to Groundbreaking. So glad you're still with us. Today we're talking to Parsa Shahidi. He is the COO and co-founder of Pangissimo and changing the way that we listen to all kinds of sound. It's a truly incredible story that we're just getting started with. And Parsa's got some great advice for you coming up that you cannot afford to miss. Enjoy. You said kind of one of my favorite things that I love hearing from people now. It's especially people that decided to join the entrepreneurial workforce um, during such an uncertain time. A lot of them are like, I had awful timing, but truthfully, you had really great timing, I think. And I mean, especially for your products where like it is such a home and like environment based sort of thing. And it sounds like you guys delivered too, because the other side of creating that close knit group of people and the, I like the word family that you used, part of the power of that is when it does come time for you to step up and give back to them and enforce that community. And whether that means, you know, being stepping out of your comfort zone. And I've had really great conversations with friends lately about like, do I suggest if they're doing freelance work, do I suggest that we comment on social issues? And like, Mm -hmm. what do, what do people who consider themselves part of our family, like what do they need from us? And that's a really hard like step to take. Um, And I feel like it shows a lot about you and everyone else saying about how natural that came. And yeah. that you didn't, you didn't think about it for a long time. And again, this is the PR piece of me, but like <laughs> the people who got to work and made a statement right after the pandemic got really, really bad and became like a global issue, they showed everybody that this was natural. This was part of their values. But the people who got to it a month later 
Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we did something. Um, like the thought in my mind is it took you a month to figure out how you were going to write a what we're doing email. Like, right. exactly. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem as authentic that way. And I think, um, you know, the people and the companies that have the power and the platform to be able to, to send the right messages to their group of people, you know, just the same way major celebrities or athletes or, you know, those types of people and influencers have, you know, the, the whole point is to be able to send a message um, that can make a positive influence or impact on your, your people and your, your community. So, I mean, to whatever extent we could, uh, and we're able to, we, we try to, we try to do that to the best of our ability. Well, I'm, it sounds like it, it was a, a consensus. And the reason people take so long to put something out there is because they feel like they have to go through all these other people. But like the brands that stick out in my mind are, I think you mentioned like Nike earlier, but like Nike never hesitates just to exactly. like, to jump on it. And like, it could be backlash, but at least it's proving that they're, the foundation of our business is these are our values, but right. wait till they're actually tested exactly. you know, and see how you, and see how you work and react to that. So again, I'm, everyone always says that they thought they had awful timing, but I think, I think you guys had really, really great timing <laughs> in the reality. Well, maybe, you know, hope so. yeah. maybe you don't feel that way either. And maybe, maybe that's, maybe that'll happen one day in hindsight. Um, but I can imagine there was a lot of other struggles that happened. Exactly. Too. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, we, it's been really cyclical in terms of, you know, the infrastructure of the economy and the state of the economy. And, um, you know, you look back to when we, we founded, uh, you know, a few years ago and now things are different. And I mean, um, regardless of the need for, you know, audio speakers and sort of a home office setup, that type of thing, that's besides the point. I, we, we, we always like to think of the greater good and, um, you know, our priority is that, everybody's healthy and safe and can, can, uh, be with their families and get to work and, you know, you know, sort of coalesce as one unit. And, and I think, like you said, like some of the companies that have been able to do that, you know, those are the, those are the brands that we're going to stick with and we're going to support. And personally, I, I, I like to associate with, because I know that they care about their customers and, and, and their supporters really. So, um, it's been interesting. And I mean, um, it's, it's been so impressive what the medical frontline have been able to do people who have been essential workers. Um, those are the people that make everything that everybody else do possible. So, um, you know, uh, it's a good time to sort of express my gratitude for them. Do you feel like your own sort of personal objective or what you need to feel entrepreneurially, that's definitely not a word, but <laughs> fulfilled, fulfilled in that sort of way, have the requirements for that sort of changed? Cause I don't know, maybe back in January, you had a much, had a really clear vision, but maybe now today is the purpose of creating a product. Like, is it less about making the, making the best like house party that there is versus now? Or are you like, what like, is your focus bringing people together while people can't be together like that sort of that sort of I'm wondering have has your has your mindset about your work changed at all right so I I totally understand your your point I think for us though specifically with SEMO um you know we always we always looked at it like what kind of technology is it that we're bringing to the table the applications of it whether they're for fun for home entertainment for a movie theater for a party for a school or for a workout, whatever it is, those are all, you know, applications of the technology we bring. 
um, and sort of we've innovated. Um, but I think more than ever, you know, basically since the start of this, we wanted to do our part. And in, in this case, um, as, as, you know, founders of Pangissimo, what can we do specifically? Well, we can nurture a home community, a home environment. We can bring people together through what they like to do, whether that's watch a movie, whether that's watch, listen to music, dance, et cetera, et cetera, and give them that in a, in a sort of a unique way that hasn't been done yet. Um, but also give people sort of an affordable option to this, this thing that usually costs thousands and thousands of dollars, which is surround town entertainment. Um, you know, from a, from a personal level, um, you know, just making sure that I do my part to, you know, help source PPE or, um, you know, post on social about where to, you know, to help people bring awareness to people or, um, you know, just sort of work with the, the medical frontline and, and do my part in my, in my community where I live. Um, and as a company, I think that's the message we've been trying to send, but our priority has been, you know, mainly that. And, um, I think like, you know, everybody has their limits and their capacity, you know, as a doctor, you can go in and directly impact them as a, um, you know, as a teacher, you can help support, you know, people whose kids need you to learn and to grow and to take time there. But, and as technologists, you, you make, you, you inspire an innovation that, you know, hopefully can help somebody make their day a little bit easier. <laughs> what a, what a wonderfully simple, but complex way to like, think about that. You, that was, that was a solid answer, by the way. Like I, like I must say, Thank you. Um, we can, we'll start to transition now towards the end of the show. And I always have two questions that I always ask at the end of the show. And apologies, I didn't prep you for these whatsoever. So we'll preface that um, to let everybody know, because if they've been listening to the show over the course of, of however long, they know these exact two questions that I'm going to ask you. Um, but first, before we dive into those, I want to hear um, your just personal sort of advice, because there's a lot of people watching the show from all different ages. And truthfully, all, all over the world, that's been one of the most surprising things to me is there are people listening in countries that I have never even gone to before, um, which I think is so cool and so that's really mind, mind blowing. But yeah. um, awesome. From your current perspective, and maybe you want to speak directly to graduating college students or people entering school, whatever it is, or people who, who aren't going to school and that's not their plan. Um, what's like, what's your best piece of advice or like things, something that you like wish you would have known? Hmm. That's a really good question. And uh, I, I have to say, I think, um, you know, I, I do a little bit of mentorship for kids that are younger and I've had, I have been for the past two years. And I think one of the most, um, th that question comes up a lot is, you know, what would you do differently? Or what would you say to, to somebody who wanted to follow their entrepreneurial desires or passions? I think it, you know, and we touched on this at the beginning is embracing the competition and, you know, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, I think one thing that happens a lot is you, you, you know, you may be inspired, you know, you want to go out there, you want to make a positive impact on society. You know, you want to make money, you want to inspire change and you want to really accomplish what you want to do. But there are so many hurdles along the way, even before you sit down you've sat down and you're writing your business plan or you're brought your team on before any of that mentally you might be scared you might know how and if you're going to be able to manage it time-wise or if you're going to have the resources to do it 
putting yourself outside of your comfort zone is always extremely important. And the, the first reason why is because even if you fail at what you're doing, you've now learned a really important lesson and you've gotten that now out of the way. You've gotten the jitters out and now you know what the system and, and, and process is like. So you can go out there and do it again when another idea or another opportunity comes out. And second of all, it's mostly just the, the fright of doing something that ends up being harder than the thing itself. You know, if you're scared or, or nervous about something and you try it, you don't really have much to lose. You're always going to gain that experience and you already have a leg up on somebody that doesn't have that experience and can't speak to the failures or the, you know, the positive moments that you've experienced. Um, and life experience is always the most valuable thing. I mean, we're very fortunate that we went and you, and you currently are attending, you know, a top level institution and that that's extremely humbling and I'm grateful for it. But even if you don't have that opportunity and you want to make something, it doesn't matter because you can make that happen on your own, whether it's emailing hundreds and hundreds of people, getting on the phone and doing that, researching what diff, what is different and what isn't, um, you know, you, you can do that and putting yourself out there and embracing the competition around you, having that inspire you to actually put yourself outside of your comfort zone is really, like you said, it's healthy and it, and it propels you to the next level. And it, and, um, you know, the minimum thing that will come out of it is that you'll learn something and it'll be better prepared for the next challenge in your life. I, I couldn't, I truthfully couldn't agree more. I feel like the moments where I was sick to my stomach with nerves out of my comfort zone are the times that I felt the most like alive, which is so ironic. <laughs> the times when you most feel like unlike yourself is when yeah. you feel like most like yourself. Um, I, I completely echo all of that. And truthfully, I've, I've learned things from you today. So thank I'm going to say this a million times. Thank you, know, you so much for you. doing this. Um, but I have the two questions that I really want to ask. Um, the first one's maybe a little bit more fun than the second one um, is if we have to like manifest, like what, what is the road Pinji Smith is going to go on? Like where, what's, where's it going to be? Um, in whatever timeline you want. I mean, it can be a week from now or it can be 50 years from now. Um, I mean, what's, what's the vision? Cause I know you have one product under the company, mm -hmm. but like, is it multiple products? Is it just continuously improving? It's like, what is, and you don't have to give too much away too. I appreciate all of your transparency and how <laughs> generous you've been, get, you've been this whole episode, but what is like, what's like, what's the end goal or the dream? Yeah, or maybe, we'll keep... maybe there's no end. No, that's a really fantastic question. We'll keep it in teasing trailer mode, but, cool. but, you know, cool. we, we, um, you know, our goal, you know, through the technology that we've developed and, and the product that we've, we've delivered to the market, um, which is this pop portable modular surround sound speaker system. We are continuing with the, our pipeline of this idea of product, you know, different styles of this, different iterations, you know, that, that is our core in our wheelhouse. And that's where our innovation will lead in the future. Um, you know, we've, been lucky to receive interest from you know you know different sources that have you know been so interested and so uh passionate about the the scalability and growth of our company and our and our and the product and CMO and you know our hopes is that in a short period of time um over the next few months or a year you'll be able to you'll be able to um you know experience those firsthand I'm trying to keep it as as uh you know trailer-like as possible but we um you know, we want to make sure that we get, you know, SEMO in the hands of everybody in the world that wants one. Um, and we, we want to get to that level of growth. Um, and our innovation is always, 
is always sort of on our horizon, you know, whether that's incorporating a mobile app with the CMO or like I said, new sort of styles and, and designs, um, iterations of, of the way that CMO operates. Um, but our goal is to really continue to build our brand and our brand equity and, you know, compete with the likes of Sonos and, uh, you know, Samsung and Sony and JBL. And I, and that's, a, I know, uh, that's a, that's a big feat, uh, to get to, but we're ambitious and we know it's doable and we're, we're optimistic and confident about it. So, um, you know, we'll have to do this again and, and you, you might be able to ask me some follow-up questions about my, uh, my statement. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'll, I'll hold you to all that. And <laughs> I think if, if anyone from Sony or Bose or whatever have been listening, I, I hope they're, I hope they're a little healthily. That's not a word either. It's been a trend <laughs> line, but you going back to a word of healthy, hopefully they're, they're a little, a little threatened. Um, yeah, can, maybe you health, never know. Competition. It's never can't bad. Ever hurt. Can't ever hurt. Uh, the last question I want to ask you too, and I might have a follow-up question, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but sure. um, <laughs> what, okay. Again, I have to apologize to everyone listening because it's the same way I preface this question every single time, but a lot of, in part, this is part of why, what inspired me to start the show is a lot of advice, especially entrepreneurial and business related um, programs of all kinds what they do is they sit down with really successful people who have challenged all kinds of odds and like their takeaways, you know, you have to like stick true to yourself and follow your vision, those sort of things. And then what happens is once it's over and I'm like, just sitting there, I'm like, am I not doing that? Like what, like I can't really tie those like knots. And I mean, like what's, what's the next step. And so my question for you is if somebody has spent the past hour listening to our conversation, learning about all of your work and who you are and your values, if they have another hour right now, what is like something specific, tangible that they can get started? You can keep it specific to any sort of industry that you want to reference um, or you can keep it vague in general, whatever you want to do. But like, what's a, what's like a logical step? Some people have said like, you know, brainstorm a list of what you like about similar companies and then find the intersection of all those points. Other people have said, um, set up a call with somebody just to explain your vision, just get straight feedback, any sort of thing like that. Um, like what's a logical, like next step on somebody's to-do list that they can add. Sure. I think, um, if you're at a point where you have an idea, right, we'll keep it very rudimentary. If you have a point where you have an idea and you're like, Oh, do I, what do I do with this? What, what, what can I do to actually maybe get started is, you know, sit down on your computer and write down, you know, if I have a tangible product, if I have a software, it depends on what, I mean, whatever it is that you're doing, if you have a, you knew you were launching a new podcast, you know, in the spirit of ground breaking, you need to write down sort of where do you see yourself and where do you see the company in a year and five years. And in that space, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm going to be in Target and Best Buy, or I'm going to be, uh, you know, selling it to Google or that type of thing. It just needs to, it just needs to sort of say, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, step one, I'm going to develop my product. Step two, I'm going to get a, a team of uh, mentors. Step three, I'm going to bring on a, uh, you know, a surrounding cast and team to support me. Step four, I'm going to contact this company, this company, this company to see if they're interested. Um, you know, or maybe in there, you know, you put in file for IP, you know, you, you have different steps that you have to achieve and you create a list for yourself. And by doing that, you understand like, these are my steps, these are my hurdles. And each each single stage will give me more value and more value and more value. 
And actually speaking to people about the idea brings it to life. So I'd say like, you know, in parallel with that, talk to as many people as you can about it. Hop on as many calls with relevant people, people that you know may be able to connect you with other people that they know. And that really brings an idea to life. So if you're thinking like, you know, how can I give myself an engine without knowing that I'm being pushed is talk to as many people as possible. And in doing that, you will find yourself thinking about it on a daily basis at night, in the mornings, in the shower, whatever it is, you're going to be thinking about it. But by making that list and talk and by talking to people, you're putting yourself in the position to actually start doing what you have to do. And like we said, execution is probably the most important thing. Um, you know, you have to get out there and, and work for your idea. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I feel I understood your question so well because I get a lot of generic advice sometimes. And the most valuable advice is specific. So for a hardware company that has an idea, that has a product, I'd say the first thing that they can do is make a list of customers and literally start working through, through those customers, calling them, getting feedback on specific, um, you know, each store what they think and what they don't think and then moving through the list and that gives you so much insight and then start again the next day that's just my two cents that's that's excellent that is one of the, that is a, such a solid answer um i personally i can't thank you enough i really feel like you came with like such like a clear but like open mind and i i truthfully really appreciate your transparency and everything i know it's not easy especially when you're like a young creative who who just like so desperately wants to like be there to admit your faults and admit the questions that you have <laughs> and admit that there there is so much going on outside of your own sort of personal bubble, especially now where our personal bubbles have been the exact same thing day yeah. to day for months <laughs> now. Um, so I really, really, really appreciate that. I know everybody listening is going to really appreciate it. I'm going to plug absolutely everything that people can do to get connected with you and support you. Um, because I wouldn't be surprised if there's people listening who now want to be a part of that family and just watch the four of you, like just change the future of sound. It's incredible. I, no, I, it's been a pleasure and I'm so happy we talked, you know, I, the feeling is very mutual. I, you know, it's, it's always so nice to talk to people who are so creative and, um, sort of, inspirational you know in, in a different way you know in whatever field or industry you work in you know the inspiration is 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 so key and i and i and i value that so highly so um you know it's been amazing now i've heard so much about the show and now i get to be on it and uh i really do look forward to the next time we can do this again well me too thanks again all right thank you so much take care Another huge thank you to Parsa for joining us today. I cannot wait to continue following Panjissimo's journey and support as they take on streaming and listening as we know it. If you're as interested in what they're up to as I am, you can follow them at Panjissimo. That's P-A-N-G-I-S-S-I-M-O. You can also check out the link in the description and visit Panjissimo.com and maybe grab a Simo for yourself. We've got so much more on the way, so you have to tune in next time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service and follow us at Friendly Media. That's F-R-N-D-L-Y on all platforms. That's all for today. See you next time for more Groundbreaking.